Hello and welcome to the spiritual travels of a firewolf. This is Christy Bellich, and the heat is going to go off and on during this episode. It's very, very late at night. I've got myself some tea, and um, I want to keep my voice down. But I want to call this episode Spilling a Little Tea, Spilling Some Tea. So we've got a lot going on in the world, but based on the class I took with Stormy Grace and based on the astrology chart of this particular podcast, I know that the lessons of this podcast are to be a student. And doing solo episodes are hard because I want to teach astrology. But that's not what this podcast is for. And learning about what this podcast is for, there's going to be some changes in the future. This podcast will stay alive. (laughs) I will keep her going. But there's going to be some changes coming up um, very soon that I'm really nervous about. Um, I'm not going to really talk about them quite yet. I'm preparing for them. But they're exciting changes for me. Um, So I'm just going to keep this podcast today about being a student of Pluto. I've had a podcast, many podcasts about outer planets and how Saturn is a teacher. But right now the world is going through a lot of Pluto energy and that is nuclear power plant energy, nuclear energy, the core energy, the nucleus energy. Um, We're seeing this all play out. And one thing that I would say, you know, the elder quote unquote millennial generation has learned is war. We were born into war and we've gone through war and war is definitely a great teacher. Pluto is war in a lot of ways. So is Saturn. And, you know, I learned war very deeply. It's ingrained into my body um, so deeply that it's just a part of me. You know, um, I was never a member of the military, but I grew up in a military family. I was born in a Army Medical Hospital in Washington, D.C. I was basically taught the art of war. That was my teacher. War has been my guide. War has been what has taught me to be strong. And there's a lot of wars going on simultaneously, you know, in our lives. And, you know, for those of us who have um, not seen combat, it doesn't matter because I believe it's the Bhagavad Gita that teaches, and I can't quote the Bhagavad Gita, but teaches us that we're always in a spiritual war. Uh, Krishna taught us that we're fighting this spiritual battle. And I'm not a theologian of any sort, but I 
was a student at an ashram and, you know, Swami Radha of Yashodra Ashram created her ashram because of World War II, because of things that she saw during the World War and brought the ashram to Canada for a very specific reason. And I remember when I moved to Yashodra randomly, how I, in meditation, I always was like, I don't know why my podunk ass is here with all these nice people. (laughs) You know, these people are nice people. They eat really good food, like healthy food. They're really nice. Like, I'm just a fuck, you know, like, why would spirit guide me to such a beautiful place? And, and just me, like, I'm just a human, you know, same thing with places like the comedy store or places like, you know, driving through America and how beautiful the fucking country is. It's just like, why would, why would my podunk ass get to see all this cool shit, you know? But I remember being at the ashram and one of the things that kept reoccurring, I kept having a reoccurring dream and for many years, actually I had it. And this was in 2011, 2012, even into probably like 2013 and probably later on. And at the time, zombie shows were really big and popular, like The Walking Dead was very popular and a lot of zombie movies were out, but we had this dream analysis class and um, it required us to really dig into the psychology of our dreams. And one of the things you have to do is you have to write down your dream. Immediately after you wake up, you date the page at the top, you sign the page at the bottom, and you basically go into detail about your dream. Now, some people don't remember their dreams. So one of the things that was suggested is write down the feeling you have when you wake up, you know, or if you remember symbols that you see. And I was having some gnarly dreams because we were in very high altitude already. And I was eating good food. I was meditating daily, you know, doing yoga every day and So I was remembering my dreams, but the dreams I was having were about the zombie apocalypse. And I remember they would get into such graphic detail about, you know, like this battle uh, between zombies and people that were conscious, basically. And, you know, part of the dream analysis class was you could have the most grotesque dreams and they are not foretelling dreams. It's really a piece of your psychology and really has to deal with things like that. But when I went into Swami Radha's teachings, she did indicate, she didn't get into super detail about it, but that you could have dreams that are foreshadowing dreams, but they could be metaphorically foreshadowing And I keep having these memories of these dreams pop into my head and all I can think about is here we are. This is exactly what these dreams were about. I keep having these memories of things that I saw in my meditations at the ashram pop through my head and I'm not 
you know, I do channel, I do readings and stuff, but I'm still, like, so, how do I even put it, like, self-conscious about what to say or what to do or how to market myself that it's really hard. I mean, I have these very deep, intimate readings with people and I get reports back that my predictions are correct, but then you look at the law of attraction, which says predictions are unethical and there's a fine line between these things. And so I look at where we're at today and I'm, I'm like, again, like I'm just a human. We're all intuitive beings on this planet. But the lessons that I learned from these dreams, I really do feel are what going are what are happening right now. I entered stand-up comedy and stand-up is the ultimate teacher because ultimately comics were truth tellers. And I'm not seeing that right now in the industry. I'm just, I I love I don't know quite how to express this, but the guides and the teachers that I learned from are not even alive anymore and it's like that's what I aim to do when I get on stage and that's my teacher right now and I'm going to say spilling the tea because what I realized is I got caught up real quick into wanting to be LA wanting to be part of a scene wanting to you know I never fit in in New York and I know that they say that like New York is like the scene to be and I know I've said this before and I'll say it again and again because I hope there's a comic out there listening and maybe you're beating yourself up maybe you're saying hey I live in a small town but LA or New York or the or Austin or wherever the popular places is the only place to make it and that's not fucking true there's nothing more beautiful than standing in front of a group of people and vibing and being part of truth. And I, I've had a lot of people in this industry offer me a lot of fucking things. This, from the beginning of stand-up comedy, from the be- first year in up until now. And what I realize now at the age of 35, I'll be 36 in a month and a half I realized that I don't fucking need those people (laughs) I don't need those people and I'll say that again for comics out there that was my teacher my teacher was rejection my teacher was people saying no my teacher was people who showed me love and turned their fucking back on me that is your teacher that is your guide the other part of this is the beauty of it the peers that offered me couches the peers that offered me food the peers of mine that venmoed me when they knew i was on the road I talked on my live stream and I'll say it again, I had a friend of mine who found out that I lost keys and needed to get keys made on the spot and they sent me a Venmo, no fucking questions, just boom. They heard 
about the ice storm last year in Texas called me out of the blue and that's what happened and those are family members but if I could tell any comic the greatest teacher is your consciousness and I learned this because I'm still a student of my own goddamn motherfucking consciousness where am I a zombie where am I not awake where am I getting on stage and not speaking from my fucking core where am I not talking from my goddamn heart that's what I want on stage I don't want to get up there and be like oh my tits they're glistening maybe somebody's gonna fuck me in the ass today that's not my goddamn motherfucking truth and that is my teacher right there and if I could help any other comic out there right now at rock fucking bottom know that if you just get on stage and speak your truth that's all that fucking matters so that's what I have to say because I learned this by failure I learned this because I went down a highway that I shouldn't have been on at that time but I didn't know no better because I had to learn to know better the past three days it's been icy in Austin I refuse to drive in any ice right now I can't so I had to figure out a way to create I created content for online I created a plan I did what I had to do These are the kinds of things. The greatest teacher of all is the road of motherfucking life. And that's, I think, why the spiritual travels of a firewolf, this podcast, this little humble podcast that literally started on the floor in a little cabin in 29 Palms when I was tripping out and a wolf came into the room and said be the mother wolf be the she wolf and i was like that's a big ask for somebody like me and they were like embrace the wolf that was not the first time the wolf has come to me and i think a lot of us have these guides that come to us as symbols but right now what i'm realizing is my greatest teacher is getting back on the horse after humiliation failures and I mean humiliation failures in front of a lot of people that had a lot of expectations of me and I had the heart I had the passion I had the work ethic I had the drive but I didn't know how to direct it that's the problem a lot of time and there's there's a time in comedy and I'm learning right now the hard way where You know, how do I put this into words? There's a time in comedy where you got to take the training wheels off. And that is, you know, you go in blind, you get on stage, and it's just this, like, okay, I'm trying to figure out the jokes here. But then comes in the business side of that. And that I am going to probably be a student on for the rest of my life because branding, learning how to brand myself, learning how to properly market myself, I wasn't taught that that was the right thing. I was taught, make yourself small, be as quiet as possible, sit in the corner, and don't cause any trouble. So the antithesis of that is, here I am, in the corner, 
observing the world, watching it fall apart, and saying, why is nobody on stage pointing out this bullshit? Like, there's a lot of bullshit going on, and people are still talking about licking assholes. No shade to licking assholes, none at all. But I'm just saying, it's just like, there's a lot going on in the world right now. There's a lot going on in the world right now. We can't keep our fucking heads in the sand forever. We cannot. Wake the fuck up. That's how I feel. We gotta wake the fuck up even more. And the more we wake the fuck up, I feel like that's how Pluto is trying to teach us all. Um, so I'm spilling the tea today. That's what I'm doing on myself because that's all I can do. I'm here on the floor of my goddamn apartment. And I feel like the biggest accomplishment I can do for myself is to tell the goddamn truth. And I'm going to build this little by little. I have plans to do certain things, but I learned sharing my plans is the worst thing you could ever do. I learned it the hard way. So all I can do is get back on the horse one day at a time. And allow that to be my teacher. Humble myself up. I've been going to these open mics, expanding out a little bit more and more and more and more. Getting some booked shows. Do I wish I was more, I mean, I, one of those Facebook memories came up and all the comics on there have their household names now. And it, I was looking at the flyer and I was looking at the picture that was used on the flyer and I didn't pick the picture. A friend of mine created the flyer and it was for a place called the standing room, which doesn't exist anymore. It was like a offshoot of a place called the stand and Queen, and it was in Long Island city. Um, in Queens and this was from like 2016 that's how long I've been doing this I've been doing this since well yeah so like seven going on eight years and I looked at the flyer and I was like why was this picture used and the people on the poster like I was like and I'm on here with these people you know these amazing comedians and they're all fucking headliners and I looked at the picture and I looked at their pictures and I was like, if that's the energy I'm given and that's the giving out and that's the fucking picture that got used for the flyer and I didn't ask, hey, can we switch this picture out and I can be more professional like, like these people? It was a picture of me that I had taken when Instagram was like in the way early days and I took it as I don't even know it's oh this is so fucking embarrassing but it's a picture of me and I have like a blanket over my head and it was like basically as a joke but it wasn't a joke like I took a picture as a joke to make fun of myself but really the joke was that like I was on up the bathroom floor in my family's house because I was having suicidal ideations so bad that I couldn't move 
and my body couldn't move. Now that was my Saturn return at the time, like legit, the picture was taken probably within a couple of days of my Saturn return. But the fact that that energy was like, the fact that that's the energy that I was like on the flyer with is so fucking embarrassing to me because it's like, get your shit together. You can do better than this. Like, you can do better than this. And when it became my, like, memory on Facebook, I realized, oh, wow, all those people with professional photos are fucking headlining, and you're still just playing this fucking small-ass Laurel, Maryland, podunk-ass, like, like, you're, I'll never... You know, I was, I'm bouncing around everywhere, but, you know, I really did grow up taking care of horses and animals and doing farm chores every single day of my life to the point that, like, it's hard not to, and I had to teach myself not to for a really long time just to see if I could. It's been, you know, I pop in and out of taking care of animals. I find my way back to horses always. But when I worked on farms, one of the things my trainers always told me was how humble I was and how I was never the problem. Like, I was always the good one. I was always the quiet one that just did her work and never spoke up. And everybody, like, I just kept it real PC. But I observed so much bullshit that went on. Like, every place has its politics. Every place has its bullshit. And it wasn't until I got my own horse that I was able to learn how to stand up for the horse and myself in certain ways. By standing up for him, I was able to stand up for me because he was my, like, child in a lot of ways. Like, I had to take care of him. There was no choice. Like, I had to make sure he was okay. So, like, he was my greatest teacher in so many ways of, like, how to be a mom, how to take care of something, and how to love something so much that it was almost like the sacrificial, not in a bad way, it was just, like, like, your body is part of this, this animal that, like, needs you to have, needs you to clean their water bucket every day, needs you to make sure their stalls are clean, needs you to check their body for anything you know, these are the things, the greatest teachers as well, is like still bouncing all over the place. We went from war to horses. Well, fuck it. If I'm a firewolf, fuck it. Maybe it's war horse time. <laughs> I feel like this podcast is like if any comic is out there and you feel lost, I hope that these stories are out there to just show you like you're a you're not alone and b i have fucked up so fucking much and i still keep getting on stage and i've had people like literally do say all the things and try all the things and threaten like it's it is what it is and i think i'm get. is there anything else i really want to say
getting an act together, like a literal stand-up act, is one of the greatest teachers I've ever had. Because when your act changes, that's literally when your life changes. And what I'm finding here in Texas is that I'm actually able to work on my act as opposed to work on jokes so that somebody will pick me up somewhere or so that I will get accepted somewhere or so that I could have some clip on Instagram. I know that right now we are in digital society, absolutely, but there's nothing that replaces working on an act in real time live on a stage. There's just nothing that can replace that. And I hope that I will always have this. But the thing that I that happens before I get on stage is I get nervous every single time. From an open mic with two people to being in front of a packed crowd at a comedy club. I get nervous every time and I really hope I keep that because it makes me never it makes me never um look down it, it make every stage is a stage of love it makes it a stage that matters no matter where i'm at if that makes sense a stage of plywood where i feel like i'm going to fall through through it that creaks if you even move a muscle and a big beautiful glistening stage with a big auditorium full of people they're all the same because it's channeling at the end of the day that's what I've learned it's just you're channeling these words they're coming through for a reason so things are probably gonna take me longer they might never fucking get to where I wanted them to be when I started stand-up but what I'm learning now and what I've learned from the ashram and what I've learned from again failure this must be the week of what I've learned from failure um solo episode week with the spiritual travels of a firewolf is that failure got gave me a backbone I actually I'm like afraid to talk too long, but I have a part two, so let me just take a sip of tea. Because I really want to talk about this, too. Okay. And I burped. Um, so, one of the greatest teachers, when I get back to war, and I've talked about working at two primate facilities before, you know, and being in a military family, you know, during the Gulf War, a lot of my generation, a lot of our dads went. My dad did not go. Um, he had a he had something happen to him, where he didn't, he would, yeah. So they didn't send him overseas. Um, and that's. Being, okay, fuck. I really have to talk about this. So, 
I'm a father's daughter. And if anybody's ever seen the movie Mulan, I'm going to fucking cry. This is so stupid. I don't want to cry. Seeing the movie Mulan is a really important movie. So if you ever watch like Disney movies and stuff, seeing the movie Mulan changed my life. I remember we were coming back from Region 1 Junior Young Rider Dressage Championships, me and my little team my teammates for dressage and we were like this underdog crew we were like straight up like school horses against all these fancy horses we were like this team that was kind of strewn together we practiced I think like every Saturday was it every Saturday yeah I think it was every Saturday um for this very fancy dressage championships out at um Upper Marlboro, Maryland, at a place called the Prince George's Equestrian Center. They also have like concerts there too, but I went there for its real purpose. So I'm just saying, um, no, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade out there, but yeah, I'm throwing shade. Anyway, so um, Prince George's Equestrian Center, um, and we like worked our asses off because it was such a big deal. We got to like go away for three days. We got to like basically be a team we got to wear like team t-shirts because horseback riding is such an individual sport like it was such a honor to be on like a team with like your friends and you um you get to like you know wear dress up your tack rooms and like there's like a competition it's basically it's basically like camp, but you're also competing. It, it was fun. And we, me and my teammates like had a, had a blast. And we even had like mixtapes. Yeah, that's right. We were still our mix CDs. Um, and we were listening to like sync and, um, like all of the fa- uh, Britney Spears, like soundtrack and the Dixie Chicks, which are just now the t- the ticks, the chicks now, a uh, bunch of country pop. I think Faith Hill was big at the time. Tim McGraw. Um, so, and it was like before Taylor Swift, because I'm I'm older than Taylor. But if Taylor were out at the time, we would have been rocking some T Swift. Um, so we're at this competition, great competition, three day. Where the fucking underdogs like we are I, I'm on a bear I'm on a horse that's bred for barrel racing doing basically ballerina martial arts on a barrel racing horse like we are the underdog of underdogs like I've looked at pictures like I have I have one on my Instagram of like me and a friend that were competing <laughs> And I looked at the picture and I can just see the underdogs in our horses. I was like, these are just these like skinny, like school horses that are just excited to not have to like go and do lessons for the weekend. And they're love, this is their vacation. I remember that the Prince George's Equestrian Center in Maryland has a racetrack. And I remember over the announcements that like the pre-competition meeting was like, hey, um, if you're gonna school your horses on the racetracks, please don't take your retired thoroughbreds out there. We don't want any. 
we don't want any accidental like thoroughbreds being <laughs> coming to life from PTSD and being like, am I have to work on the track anymore? Like that was an announcement at this place. <laughs> like, it was like, don't take your PTSD thoroughbreds back on the racetrack and think that they're not going to think they're having to go back to work. They're going to have flashbacks, bitches. Like, so... Uh, luckily nobody got taken off with a retired racehorse, but there were definitely escaped horses because any horse show that you go to, there's usually like loose horse. That's like the, that's the universal term for like somebody's horse spooked, threw them off and their horse is running around the showgrounds and now everybody's got to fucking deal with it. But, and I've been one of those people too. So, you know, we're this ragtag team of bitches just just trying to make it through this competition (laughs) because we're watching girls on like fucking hundred you know basically Porsches like basically they're riding like Mercedes something or another they're riding the Teslas of their time like and we're just like hey we got our horses out of kill pens and fucking slaughterhouse auctions um what's up so um, so we're, I think we did really well though. Like we got an overall third place for the team. I think I got fifth place overall from what I remember, um, for individual. And I, I was on a barrel racer. I was on a strawberry roan barrel racer named Bob and he was my homie. And, uh, I remember, um, all the parents were there a lot of parents aren't there anymore. It sucks. Uh, it really sucks. Um, it really, really sucks. Damn. So, I remember we were in one of my friend's mom's minivans, and they had a TV in their minivan, and that was bougie as fuck to me. Like, it was, like, we could play VHSs in their minivan, and we watched Mulan on the way back from the show. We were all, like, super tired. The drive was, like, just enough so we could watch the whole movie. My friend Ashley was like, we'll watch this movie because she had a horse in the movie. And um, I just remember crying my eyes out at the end because the ending of the movie is, um oh fuck if you haven't seen Mulan like I'm not gonna ruin the ending but the quote is just about basically the concept of like being a father's daughter and the premise of the movie is you know there's this really big war going on oh no I'm gonna cry so there's this war going on a warrior doesn't cry bitch um, and Mulan goes to war because all of the men of the household have to go back to war, but her dad's like mad old and decrepit. So she goes to war for him, but she disguises herself as a dude. And basically it's like, because it's like the dishonor, like don't dishonor your family. Um, funny enough my dryer my family's dryer sings the song that's like 
please bring honor to us all. It legit makes that sound. And anytime the dryer would go off, it's like, da -na 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 -na. I'm like, oh my God, I cannot escape the fact that it's like, don't dishonor your family, Jesus. Um, but it's like, the idea is she goes to war and she fights. And uh, yeah, that's really the point of this whole thing. That's the long, end, that's the short end, that's the punchline to this whole bullshit. So I think that being a father's daughter, and what does that mean? It means that, you know, my chart is set up at, in a very strong way of taking after, you know, my, the paternal side of my family, my dad. And it's been a really hard thing, especially being in stand-up, because the greatest teacher and the hardest teacher is having to learn to be strong and be big and be bold and be something opposite of what I was taught to be, which is not dishonorable it's actually honoring yourself, but I guess, fuck, is this a tough one? Why 37 minutes? So I guess like, I know it's like not seen as strong to cry, but I swear to God, love, love is the greatest teacher. And, uh, I have a Mercury in Pisces, so the water will come through. <laughs> um, it's tough when you have a big voice and you know what you need to do with your career, but also you have to work out that voice. And... I guess this gets into love being the greatest teacher is learning to love yourself is the hardest thing, especially when you want other people to be safe and you want them to be protected and you want them to be safe and protected. But at the same time, you see this war going on and you want to point and be like, look at this war. It's not just it's not just cut and dry. It's like this other thing too. It's like our minds are the war. Our hearts are the war. How do we wake up from this bullshit? So I think another great teacher of war, and this will be the last thing I share, I promise, was working at a primate lab during a war. <laughs> And the gratitude that I have for that, but the extreme loneliness I have from that, because, because I worked at this primate lab and I saw so much death all the time. Like I used to be so much more of, in a lot of ways, a hard ass in certain ways, but then not in other ways. I'm glad I saw what I saw when I saw it because it made me question a lot of things for a really long time.
to the point that now that this is what we're facing, I mean, if anybody listens to this in the future, right now Ukraine and, you know, Russia is is basically declared war on Ukraine. You know, but then there's a lot of things also going on, you know, underhandedly around the world, even based on the U.S., you know, striking other countries and yet that's not really being reported and then canada has the had the or has the trucker um convoy where the emergency powers were recently lifted by justin trudeau for the emergency act powers however there's a lot going on with that but that it's not for me to be Sagittarian on this podcast. It's me for me to ask a lot of questions. And so a lot of the questions I have are based on this job, you know, that I had in Baltimore and in Poolsville, Maryland. And because I saw what I saw and because I knew that a lot of the contracts for military, it does make me wonder and pose the question as to whether this technology was being, I'm spilling the tea, this is why it's going to be called spilling the tea. You know, I hope that somebody listens to this in the future. I really hope that somebody from a lab listens to this and goes, hey, I had questions too, because I feel so alone. Um... But it's like, I wonder if a lot of what it was was what we're facing right now technologically. We we were told one thing, but I'm seeing a whole lot of other things based on certain results. And I question a lot of it every single day. That's why when all this went down in the beginning, I was like, there is another alternative There's a lot of questions I have based on COVID and all this stuff. I have a lot of questions, and yet we're being told a lot of other things. I think the same thing could possibly be questioned with Russia. So if I were to spill the tea, and I'm putting out protection because I feel like But if I were to spill the tea on that, it would just be, you know, about science, really, and about war, and how they're interconnected, and how it does reflect back historically into places like the Ukraine. I mean, I did find it interesting that HBO, right before the Great Conjunctions, released the Chernobyl series. And I was like, here we go. We're heading into the Great Conjunctions. Pluto energy is stirring the, stewing up in the core and the nucleus. So this has been a podcast. It has bounced around from place to place. But ultimately, 
I think the point of the spiritual travels of a firewolf, which does not roll off the tongue very easily, I understand. I make fun of myself all the time for it. Is to get these stories out. To get my confidence back. To be as vulnerable as I can be. It's my, it's my goal. Is to be as honest and as vulnerable as I can possibly be. So thank you for listening, if you still are, and have a great day.